Hello everyone. Welcome to our fifth episode of InsurTech Business Series. Um, we want to say thank you to the people who have you know, made this possible. So far, so good. I mean, this is like the fifth episode since we started. And um, yeah. you know, people have um, given us audience and they've shown interest in what we do. So um, this is like, you know, thank, thank you first. Um, before going into today's business. So, my name is Fulimi, and with me here, I have my co-host. Yeah, Damola. Yes, I'm super excited. I mean, five five episodes. It's, I mean, when it, when we all, it all started, I, I personally, I just looked at it. How are we going to keep this up? How, where do we get people to come on board and speak about um, some of these things that we talk about on the, on the podcast? But we have people listening to us from around the world. So it's quite interesting how it has been and really want to say thank you. We definitely would love to continue the conversation and we sure will will and and we want you to to continue to join us on that train and and hey you can follow us on, on LinkedIn as well. Uh join our community there. Uh we are one fifty strong at the moment. Small but hey we're growing. Let's continue the conversation there. We are also available on Twitter. So you can reach out to us as well. So, um, Damala, what do you think about um, today's episode? I know we'll be talking to, you know, the founder of InsurTech LA. Of course, he's not a Nigerian. And it's so interesting to see that there are lots of people like us who had a different um, educational background and we were able to work our way up in the insurance industry. You know, I'm pretty sure that while we were all studying at different courses and university, it didn't even occur to us that someday um, there'll be a deviation from that path and we'll find ourselves in the insurance industry, which is, you know, an interesting one, especially when you have people with different um, exposure coming together make something work right yes i know right i mean it's, it's quite interesting um gilad shy who's going to be coming on the on the show today is uh, is the founder of insurtech la the insurtech community in los angeles and he also is the founder of bound api so bound api is a tech, uh, startup providing technology solutions for the agency system in america so it's going to be interesting to hear how technology plays into the agency uh, system there because i mean we have an agency uh, structure as well in this country and then maybe there are things that we can learn from that you know and he's also a co-author of the InsurTech book so it's going to be an interesting conversation hearing about uh, how he thinks we can approach innovation you know in, in insurance especially in this part of of the world so so yeah I'm, I'm quite excited about that conversation and we'll get right into it immediately after the break all right stay tuned welcome gilad i did them all thank you very much for having me so how are you doing I'm today doing so it's, it's in the morning there. It is there. in the morning. I think it is 10 a.m. <laughs> in sunny California. Um, I, I'm based out wow. of uh, Los Angeles. So 
uh, you know, beside the okay. coronavirus and trying to stay at home as much as possible and keeping our social distancing. And life is pretty comfortable. All right. That's great. So before we go into um, the discourse of the day, <clears throat> can you tell us a bit about yourself and your journey into insurance? I'm an Israeli. I've been living in the United States for 11 years. This is the 11th year. My background is technology. It's insurance. I've been in the insurance industry for five, six years now, mainly within introducing uh, technology. I used to work for Farmers Insurance, which is one of the top uh, 20 uh, insurance companies in the United States, which is actually not a subsidiary, but is, part, let's call it part of the bigger Zurich group uh, that we all know uh, and like. Um, okay. Uh, beside that, I'm a co-author of the InsurTech book. I run InsurTech Los Angeles. I've been running the community and the events here in Los Angeles for the past uh, three and a half years. And I'm on advisory board for several startups in the space. And of course, I, I've been running my own startup uh, right, yeah. that supports what's the future, in my opinion, and others, what's the future mm. of insurance from your own end, especially in, in America and uh, some of the uh, industries that you have conversations with in other countries. So how has it been for insurance and insurtechs, you know, especially in this period? So I would say almost everywhere, and we need to understand that different countries, different companies, different structure. So like everything else, we need to understand where they stand also in the, let's call it the pecking order. Now, mm. In the, in the U.S., and I would say that will go for everyone, it starts from what the hell is going on. People don't know we we entered some sort of uh, uncertainty, especially with pandemic. What does it mean for life insurance? That's the catastrophe. It's outside of the mm. tables and the predictions for the reinsurance. They are looking at like, oh, my God, we are going to we are going to pay so much money for the carriers because mm, they, yes. they are not calculated for that type of risk or the spike or the the black swan or whatever you like to call that within the personal or personal lines especially commercial there is such a huge uncertainty because what's going on mm. is that people are losing their job which means a workers compensation one of the products yeah. here in the US is going to change not enough premiums there are other policies uh, that we need to uh, to pay it out. And even if we are looking at car insurance, car insurance is changing. People are not driving as much. So they are starting yes. to go back to the insurance company telling them, I don't need your insurance because I'm not driving. So the, the risk is less. Less people are driving, so the, the risk is less. There are less uh, traffic accidents. The people themselves telling them, I'm not driving at all. So, or that you cancel my premium posit. And which mm. that part, you know, the insurance companies are happy because they don't need to pay as much claims. But on the other side, they have the problem of brand. How are they going to look like in, in case of something happens? How they are going to look for the, for their customers as, you know, mm. um, 
to be fair, because it's all about when you think about insurance companies, and that's, I would say, everywhere, insurance company needs to look secure, it needs to look fair, they are the, that's the company, when something happens to you, you, the policyholder, something happens to you, you can trust them to come and pay mm. the policy, pay the claim and help you. They need to be fair, they need to be trustworthy. Now, if it's something mm. so simple, it's like, I'm not driving, I don't, I, why are you still charging me so much money for car insurance mm. or mm. less people driving? You should reduce my cost or do something. Now, we are already three, uh, three months into, into this uh, pandemic and we see that insurance companies are doing that. A couple of them are skipping payments, other providing uh, uh, all kinds of discounts. They are trying to figure out something that will actually work from a marketing, mm. especially from their brand mm. positioning in the market, to look mm. better. I just listened to another webinar by the, uh, from the guys from SCORE, and they are trying to figure mm -hmm. out, and this is a little bit more towards the life insurance. It's like, okay, right. we want to sell life insurance. Life insurance mm. is very, very hard to sell because unlike car mm. insurance, you, car mm. insurance in most of the countries, it's mandatory. If you have a car, you'll need to buy insurance. You cannot just... Yes, definitely. Just, mm. You cannot just drive. If you hit someone or, mm. God forbid, you, you know, mm. you get into an accident, whatever, you need to have the car insurance. Now, life insurance, you need to buy that. Someone, usually an agent, will need mm. to educate you. They can use fear tactics. There are all kinds of sales tactics and tell you, mm. okay, um... You need to buy life insurance, uh, long-term care, annuities, whatever that may be, that will work mm. to what you need. Now, part of the bigger problem of life insurance is really depends on the product. You need to go to a doctor, especially in the U.S. when you're looking to buy the a whole life or, or universal and one of them, they will tell you, okay, we need to know that you're actually healthy. If you tell us, you you know, if you tell us that you smoke, you don't smoke, uh, we can figure that out. But if you're 40, 50, yeah, mm. we really want your physician to write a note to, you know, we need basic blood tests and to know that you're healthy, you don't have any cardiovascular uh, disease or anything like that. So we know what's going on. So mm. there are several steps in this conversion funnel that increases the length, length basically lengthening the cell process of a policy and now during the pandemic most of those steps don't exist it's right. very yes. hard yeah it's very hard to get to a physician it's very mm -hmm. hard to find labs that yes. will process a blood test today mm. or tomorrow it you know with mm. all their they are overswamped, they are overwhelmed. So it will mm. take them at least two to three weeks. And in the meanwhile, the insurance company is like, okay, we would really like to sell. Or to be precise, it's the agent who is mm. like, I mm. want to sell. And, yeah. and what happens to you if you don't get it, if you don't sell immediately? Uh, the customer will go to someone else. Yes. Or they will just don't buy. Yeah, so mm. it's a very interesting how the insurance and surprisingly the fact that people are talking about alternative ways to underwrite 
getting data that will uh, you know more or less compensate for the lack of the 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 information that exists today from going to the data is surprisingly fast needless to say that all this is nice because in yeah. order to take that into a real effect they need to go through yes. the regulation yeah, like the regulator yes mm. exactly mm. But yes, yes. So uh, yeah, it, it, it's, it's quite interesting that you brought that up because, I mean, it, uh, it's, it's the same here. In fact, I have a personal experience so uh, where I have a customer who wants to buy uh, a life insurance policy. In fact, two life insurance policies. And then we're having this issue about going to the physician. And, and then this has actually dragged them since February. And uh, getting to uh, uh, to take up those tests is an issue because hey, the the the, the hospital is saying okay, yes, we are available for you, but the the man's family is saying hey, you can't go there because of the situation, mm-hmm. because of the pandemic situation and and, and the like. So you can we can expose ourselves to such risk. So what, what do you think about how important it is for insurers to begin to intentionally innovate especially with this situation that we find ourselves at the moment it's super important because if they will not innovate mm. they will just wither and die mm. it's a question of evolution there is new reality that reality can be very short however it has a big significance on the global economy mm. and of course their own company and their customer so if they are not going to change and even cover You know, we've been into this for three months, but it ripple and will continue the effect. We're going to feel it in the next year, even two years. Mm. People don't know there are all kinds of prediction models. Mm. So they need to innovate to adjust to the new situation while keeping the eye on the ball and the strategy for what's going to happen in five to 10 years. So mm. super important. Like, like you rightly said, the whole pandemic situation is unexpected and... It has really affected insurance companies in situations where sales are down, but then there are still claims, uh, workman compensation, like you said, and that uh, job loss, uh, you know, job loss mm-hmm. uh, covers are still there. Business People interruption. Are, yeah, business yep. interruption. Yeah. So this, the claims are kind of like increasing. Is is that going to be part of the um, things that they will consider when they are looking at innovation in terms of how they assess risk now? Yes, <laughs> that's a great incentive to move forward, right? It's a mm-hmm. new situation. Uh, there, there's been a meme that is running, uh, who is driving your uh, digitalization process? Is it mm-hmm. your CEO, CIO, or COVID-19? <laughs> that's a meme that's been running around, mm-hmm. right? And what insurance industry is very conservative for mm-hmm. many good reasons. And what we've seen that the majority will go like, okay, you know, unless we are forced to make a change, mm-hmm. we are not going to take a change. You have innovators, you have the followers, but then you have, of course, the majority which go like, if I don't need to change, I'm not changing. This is not the core business. Mm-hmm. Selling insurance is the core business. But mm-hmm. now they realize that if we don't change, if we don't do that move, we cannot sell. Mm. We cannot process claims. Uh, it's, yeah, so that's part of it. And it's very interesting to see what will come out in Nigeria, especially with the structure and the population mm. and everything that your country has to offer. For insurers in Nigeria, in Africa, how, how do you think that 
they should approach innovation in terms of uh, insurance products and how to increase penetration when we are talking about africa and it's very important to talk about nigeria and not africa because different countries different people mm-hmm. even within nigeria we're talking about more than 300 uh, million people and many tribes and many languages and dialects mm-hmm. etc so we need to understand that and we also need also to think about where where you guys stand today Mm. and when in terms of innovation what you've done in the past mm. I'm not familiar with the insurance industry of Nigeria right but what we've seen in Nigeria compared to other places the legacy system is mm. not structured there is all kinds of legacy in terms of uh, oil in terms of a uh, cultural structure but mm. when you talk about innovation think about cellular phones and communication. Mm. It's amazing. There were all kinds of blips of using cell, cell phone payments, mm. using the cellular, which in the US it's still way behind. Mm. So there are all kinds of incentives that coming from the ground up to make leapfrogs forward. And the mm. same thing is with insurance. Mm. So when you think about if there are all kinds of challenges, if it's the challenge of I don't trust the insurance company. Mm. I don't trust the payment. Mm. That will create the incentive to create products, innovative product that will say, okay, here is a system that will make sense so a, people will actually consume it. Mm. They don't need to be the traditional products that we see in England. They don't have to be different products that... It can be micro payments it mm. can be on demand it can be mm-hmm. different structure in terms of the underwriting it can be a different structure in terms of the claims process so mm. we talk when people talk about trust they always jump and say oh blockchain blockchain smart <laughs> most of the 99 of the time it has nothing to do with blockchain it just mm. needs to be some sort of parametric but mm. as you add As you dive into and you try to understand what do we need actually to set in place so there will be trust among the different nodes or the mm. different participants, mm. then you, okay, blockchain can actually be a solution because blockchain as a solution is very expensive. Mm. Now, and you can do things that will just do it without that problem. But going back to the innovation here, There are great opportunities. Now, somehow, always in terms of, let's call it global uh, business, mm. I have an interaction with Nigeria, Brazil, and Japan, except, of course, from my, uh, Israel and the U.S. where I live. Mm. And I was recently in Brazil, and it was a very interesting uh, product that they are trying to sell, mm. which is uh, for motorcycles. Right. Only for motorcycles. Mm. Why? Because you have 50 million motorcycles. Mm. They are in lightweight motorcycles. Mm. That's the transportation and the livelihood of so many people. Mm. So it's already a combination between commercial and personal mm. motorcycle insurance that they pay on the go mm. as they drive all the time and it immediately if something happens that person gets a new motorcycle or a substitute very 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 fast mm. and the reason is is because they need that 
the, the majority of the population is poor. Mm. This is their livelihood. So if you can deliver them that motorcycle fast and make mm. sure that they keep their livelihood, that's mm. what you need. Mm. So there are all kinds of great opportunities that coming from the actual behavior of the people and how they use it. And I'll, I'll use another uh, uh, Nigerian-Brazilian example. Mm. Think about cassava, right? Right. So, uh, fifth, when was that? I did my MBA. So, it's been a while. Right. <laughs> uh, 2000, so, 2008, seven, just before the crash. Mm. And we were looking, we were working with a group uh, in Abuja. And we were looking, okay, how can we provide and sell cassava? Basically, it was cassava plants. Mm. So you can process the cassava mm. and then set it up for fufu, lafun, whatever the dishes that you're going to prepare <laughs> yeah. later on. And, you know, when you think about it, when you come from Israel, yeah, it's great. It's an agricultural technology power. We have all that stuff. Actually, I went to Brazil to figure out what are the machines that we need for, mm. you know, to run in Nigeria. Great. But when you want to package it, you think about kilo, you think about the metric system. Mm. But when you understand that people actually don't use that, they use the cups mm-hmm. to measure, to measure and to sell and to buy all that. You know, mm. like, okay, we need a different packaging. Mm-hmm. This is, while we have the metric system, this is how actually people are accustomed to buy a cassava mm. a, or the the flour that comes uh, that you create yeah and that was so we had to ship that sadly that project didn't end up because of the crisis in 2008 yeah, but yeah. it was you always need to adapt that mm. to how people actually consume mm. your product mm. right so yeah. it has to be from from the customer down mm-hmm. to the products yep. uh, yeah so I mean in the past we've seen that say we think that this, the people will buy this product and we launch it has to be the other way around How, what do you people want what's the need and then we create the product right so yeah in, the insurance industry being more of like a conservative industry is quite resistant to change and they're used to a certain way of doing things and people working in that industry have developed certain types of skills right and so mm-hmm. um with the advent of changing uh, customer behavior and there's a, you know, the necessity for adopting uh, technology now uh, there is a push for uh, learning new skills how important do you think it is for current uh, insurance professionals and people looking to join the insurance industry you know how important is it for them to continue to learn new skills like learn about some of these new uh, technologies and uh, take knowledge from some of these books that have been written now the uh, short tech book that you, that you co-authored a uh, book from Rob Galbraith about the end of insurance as you know it, just a few of them that I know and so how important do you think that it is for current professionals to begin to learn unlearn and relearn it's super important let's let's start by learning even if in your late age you always need to learn mm. now beside that even in co- whatever that may be you always need to learn because the books these books in my opinion are already old uh, sadly it's still very new <laughs> because 
adapting it into reality takes time. There are companies that work very fast to act upon. Now, mm. beside that, you need to understand what's going on in your industry if you want to survive in the industry. And also to adapt yourself to, to be successful in the industry. Mm. Now, most of them have ideas, a couple of them have actions, but the main thing is if you're an agent, if you're an underwriter, if mm. you are a, a claim adjuster, each one of them, each one of these roles mm. are secure and not secure at all at the same time. It's a little bit of a Schrodinger cat here because in your, even if let's assume there is no technology and things will stay the same, it's not a factory that you're going to continue doing whatever you've been doing mm. from the age of uh, 20 until the age of uh, 70. Mm. For 50 years, you're not going to do the same. You, things are going to change. And especially when technology steps in, you need to understand how is that technology going to make your life better mm. or going to make you better mm. at doing your job. Mm. So it's understanding the threat mm. and understanding the advantage. There are two things. It can threaten, you know, the classic who moved my cheese. Mm -hmm. It can threaten what you're doing today, your business, if you're the business owner, or if you are the professional, it's going to take my role. I'm going to be fired. Or it's a better tool to make you better so you can start growing into a different direction. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and speaking about that, I know that uh, you're doing some work um, currently um, with the agency uh, system there in America. Can you speak a bit about uh, your your company and uh, what are the trends you think that we'll begin to see in terms of the agency business? Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Adebo Ali Banjo. I'm co-founder, CEO at MyCover.ai, and we are building Africa's digital insurance infrastructure. For the latest news on insurance technology in Africa, keep listening to InsurTech Business Series and stay updated. Unlike many people in the insurance, I don't think agents are going to die. Mm -hmm. I think agents are going to be better. They're going to have a, a, a shift in the next five to 10 years of how the agency is structured. Mm -hmm. I don't see the agent disappearing. No matter how the technology is going to be amazing, you have Google who is trying, you know, you, today you have a Google chatbots that can order pizza and have mm -hmm. a conversation, but it's still very, very limited. Mm -hmm. So even, you know, we would like to sell everything online. It's mm -hmm. not there yet, mm. but the agents are changing. So when we look in, on Japan and the US, you still have almost 200,000 insurance agents. Mm. The thing is, the, pro the problem is that they are very old. Right. Right. Very <laughs> old means that in the next two years, most mm. of them are going to retire. Mm. That's their age. In in Japan, for example, part of their job is to go and collect checks. Mm. In the US, their main job is to sell and mm. retain a relationship with the customer. Mm. And basically, once they reach that saturation point, mm. they are just sitting on a book of business mm. and not trying to create new business, just 
you know, keeping that book of business alive mm. and running that and make sure that they, uh, the premiums churn. Things are going to change. We have new generations. Uh, I'm not talking about millennials. They are old. They are like, <laughs> I'm a Gen X, but the millennials are old already. They have families. They are in mm. their 30s. It's done. Gen Z and Gen, I have no idea what comes after Z. Someone give me, a, it's like double A. They expect everything on mobile. They don't mm. want to talk to people. They, but it's something that we already said about the millennials. And, you know, besides being a little bit snowflakey, now the generation that works the hardest, learns the hardest and invests a lot of time. It's very, it's actually very, a polarized uh, generation in terms of stereotype and reality. Mm. But whoever is coming next, we their, their expectation is to communicate. Everything needs to be super sleek. Mm. Everything needs to come from uh, uh, Apple. Everything needs to, you know, in terms of uh, the style and uh, the perfectness. Mm. And they expect the same thing from insurance. Especially mm. in the U.S., They, they it's like everything needs to work seamless i don't need to talk to someone i should just <laughs> go to the website go to the you know to the phone mm. i'll give you all my privacy and you'll figure out and just make my life easy. easier <laughs> it's it's all about conveniency mm. conveniency is a key role of of the uh, of charging mm. it's uh, it's amazing Mm, yeah so so um how does uh bound api come into all of this mix especially working with agents agency mm-hmm. so our job in bound is to facilitate the automatic sale of the simple products products yeah. there are few products today general liability personal liability car i would say that car insurance is the most complicated one in terms of the flow Mm. Um, workers comp term life insurance so simple products that you can sell online this is where we come in and work and being actually an infrastructure between mm. the carrier the wholesaler and the agent telling mm. the carrier it's like listen you have hundreds of thousands of agents mm. today you spend millions of dollars on maintaining one website that's mm. what you do marketing all that stuff they come to you if you don't have your website you know you somehow try to work with agent mm-hmm. agents don't sell small premium product they have an mm-hmm. internal threshold if you're going to call an agent in the us today telling them hey i i need car insurance mm-hmm. and they will need to go to shop around through insurance carriers and work for four hours on something that will pay them back $20, mm-hmm. they are not going to do that. Mm-hmm. So from efficiency, agents don't sell. They will they will not call you back if it doesn't make economic sense for them. If it doesn't have the ROI, crickets. You're not going to hear anything from them. <laughs> so our job is to work with the wholesalers and mm-hmm. the carriers. So the agent with the push of a button can add a form that connects directly to the carrier mm. so they can sell direct 
online insurance products. Looking at insurance distribution wholly now, I was listening to uh, a clip from one of the previous conferences on InsurTech Insights, and mm-hmm. there was this uh, there's a startup from Germany where they are mobile only, right? Yep. So their distribution is strictly via mobile. Looking at that now and the, the number of uh, other distribution channels that are available now, so how do you think um, an insurtech or an insurance company choose the right distribution uh, channels to use for their business? So the selection of the distribution channel is super important from understanding where is your risk intake comes from. As simple as that. Which means, in lame terms, it's if you're going to sell an uh, insurance for professional drivers, mm. so non-personal uh, cab, you know, cab drivers, Uber mm-hmm. drivers, stuff like that. Yeah. Are are you going? Are you going to target them on I don't know computer? No, mm. they are never in front of a computer. They are mm. driving. So the best way to target and to get them it's only on mobile. Mm. Right, a yes. beautiful company by the not Sure, they're pro- they're doing that. I love what they do. If you are another b- a great company, a Motion Auto based here in Los Angeles slash Utah, their their whole thing it's are they know that if they are going to target a specific type of marketing, mm. that's the type of audience that a type of customers that are coming in. So mm. going only mobile or website or whatever that will dictate or will place a filter of what is the type of risk and what is the type of policy holders that you want to get in. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So if it's the future, if it's the, you know, different segments and it's mm. super important, you know, to do that, you know, behind the scenes, the carrier needs to understand it's like, how do I correlate? And I'm sure that they have uh, the statisticians or what we like to call today data scientists that know how to correlate between the different segments mm. of what we like to slice as the market mm. or the target audience and, of course, the risk buckets. I wouldn't leave you without asking about this. I mean, the internet has been abuzz with uh, news of um, lemonade IPO, yeah, IPO, yeah. yes. Now and yeah. I mean it's it's exciting because they are in short a company and and first of you know so what what do you think about that? What do you think about uh, that move? And then uh, what do you think is the prospect for in short tech in the future? Hi, I'm Dr. Neto, founder and CEO of Wella Health, where we're working on affordable access to healthcare using technology and alternative care pathways, microinsurance being central to our work. I'm delighted to be on a chat on InsurTech Business Series, where we talk about some of the stuff we're learning at Wella Health and how we can improve insurance adoption across Nigeria and Africa. Enjoy. So if we take a step back, Lemonade is the the technology or the company, the startup, the, mm. which was the pebble that was thrown into the lake that mm. created the ripples 
of uh, what we see today as InsurTech uh, revolution or yes. the InsurTech uh, phenomena. Yeah. And I, I'm looking at them and say, this is a, st- a textbook uh, startup. Mm. They started, I, you people don't familiar with them uh, or to uh, the founders, the, uh, especially Shai, who is the last uh, known one. This mm. is his third third unicorn. So, wow. uh, Daniel, who is uh, the CEO, which yeah. is usually on, on front, of course. I think this is his first uh, unicorn, which is more than a billion dollar valuation company, mm. but he's done amazing. Yes, right. He's a super successful person. Mm. And these guys been running this company like a textbook. Now, going back to insurance and reality and what does it mean? And when we are looking at the first, uh, at this IPO, it's a great success story, mm. which is still, which has, which has not been, you know, completed. There are ups, there are downs, mm. there are all kinds of reasons. But when, when we are looking at an IPO, mm. it's very significant not just from the capital, but also it's a certain milestone that tells investors, uh, tells the insurance companies, the different mm. players in this industry, here is a startup mm. which is a full, a full uh, integrated insurance company, right? Yeah. It's not just an agency or an MGA. They are a yes. carrier by themselves mm. that started from scratch, mm. no legacy, built it up, and now they are going public in, mm. I would say, four to five years. Mm. They reached an evaluation of over then a billion dollars in three years. So you should understand. So now, all kinds of flags that at this point, the industry, if they haven't put attention so far, need to go like, oh, this is doable. Now, mm. now, now if we take a step back, they are very small. They are still compared to, you know, State Farm, all these guys that are mm. in 50 billion evaluation or mm. the smaller, the, let's call it the, the majority of the top 20 are worth $20 billion. Uh, lemonade is it's petite but it's not about where they are now it's where they are going yes and the they potential. are growing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's a potential and especially in insurance you know there is time it's a year by year yes. not a day by day it, yes. you know at the beginning the the loss ratio the combined ratio was horrible mm. you start to fix it you fix it you fix it and then you reach a point that the combined ratio is actually positive. Mm, right, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a, like you said, it's, 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 a, it's an interesting story. And I mean, it just tells of the opportunities that are there. And if, if I mean, insurers, they are not yet thinking about uh, how they can digitize some of their, their, their services. I mean, easily some, some people in time could come and take their lunch. You know, basically, you know, if you don't, if you don't, uh, don't move with the time, and like, like you mm-hmm. rightly said, you know, if you, if you don't innovate, you, you die. So, thank you very much. Thank you very much for your thoughts. So thank you for for joining us. I mean, it was it was intra- quite interesting uh, speaking with you, and we hope that uh, in some way we can you know, 
work together with your, uh, you know, our community here is quite, it's still growing. And mm-hmm. so maybe some way we can work together with your uh, community in Shotec uh, LA and see how, you know, can uh, drive innovation even in this part of the world. Yeah, it will be my pleasure. People can reach uh, out to me at uh, gilad at inshotech.me. As I said, besides, I'm advisory board to startups. I uh, have my own startup and working uh, from time to time with carriers on their strategy and innovation strategy. So it's always interesting to have a discussion with people like yourself who are growing a community, like to talk about the future. How can we be constructive? How can we build the future so it will make sense and will benefit everyone yes yes thank you very much thank you very much hello and welcome back to the new segment of this episode of InsurTech business series my name is fully me and i'll be bringing you the latest news stories NICOM extends recapitalization deadline to issue new recapitalization guidelines as COVID-19 in this execution. The National Insurance Commission has once again extended deadline for recapitalization from the 31st of December 2020 to the 30th of September 2021. The commission, however, provided minimum requirements for insurance organizations to meet before the initial deadline of 31st December 2020. FBN Holdings divest from insurance subsidiary, sales firm to Sanlam. FBN Holdings PLC has divested its 65% equity in FBN Insurance Limited to Sanlam Limited, which used to hold 5% stake in the insurance firm. This effectively confers full ownership of FBN Insurance and its subsidiary FBN General Insurance Limited on Sanlam forthwith following receipts of all relevant regulatory approvals. CIN unveils new curriculum for intending practitioners. The Chartered Insurance Institute of Nigeria has initiated the first set of books in its new curriculum to be used for the foundation stage of the Institute's exam, F01 to F08. This is in line with the body's plan of increasing knowledge and raising awareness about the relevance of insurance benefits to Nigerians. The president of the institute, Eddie Efekoya, at the presentation of the books in Lagos said the books represent a body of work that will greatly stimulate the intellect of the modern day professional. And that will be all on this episode's news segment. Thank you for listening. Stay tuned. Welcome back. I'm sure you enjoyed that conversation with Gilad. There are a lot of things that definitely, you know, I have learned and I know that you also have learned. But the thing that jumps out for me is when he talked about the importance of insurance professionals, you know, embracing innovation, embracing technology and how important it is for them to understand how technology works and so that they can take advantage of it because that's what the time demands. Samala, also, uh, I was even going to ask you this. Do you think that the, you know, the innovation rather that is fondly spoke about as well and technology 
do you think it can, it can enhance the agency part of our business, knowing that we are heavily reliant on, you know, agency, you know, broken firms and all of that? Yes, I think so, because, um, you know, we talked, we're talking about uh, micro-insurance. So even if you are looking at micro-insurance, mm-hmm. you have to be able to look at how you can leverage technology and create the product and also to the and people. Distribution yeah, distribution channels. Exactly. So it's, it's, it's something that uh, can, that we need to look into because, I mean, we can leverage mobile technology. Uh, you know, we can leverage uh, telecoms. You can uh, look at how you can you know, provide products where people can buy through WhatsApp, you know, for example, or through USSD. You know, yeah. you know, through yeah. a text, you know. So instead of you know, we are looking at uh, sending agents to go and look for uh, customers, and with that, we might not be able to achieve the scale that will make it profitable for those kind of cheap products. You understand? So, but with technology, you know, leveraging partnering with telecom, looking at USSD, you know, looking at even API solutions. You know, partnerships as well with its fintech organizations as well can really help, you know, to achieve the scale that we need. I mean, in terms of the penetration rather than the 0.5% that yes, yes, we are currently yes. um, offering around. Okay. Um, I mean, it was, it was an interesting conversation with Gilead and it's, it's nice to see that people have um, caught this through and they think that they next generation of insurance is not going to be the same traditional way we've been used to carrying out our businesses. So it's now for most people to break down products according to the needs of people. So people yeah. that just want to buy a fragment of a particular product and just buy that particular um, product that speaks to their current needs, yeah. which is good. Um, so thank you very much for our listeners. Thank you very much. Um, again, I remain your host, Ulimi, and my co-host. Yeah, Damola, so thank you and stay safe. Bye-bye. Bye.